Alrighty, we are on 16B, the very top, um, Tess Zion Amud Bet. And we're in the middle of talking about how a groom is exempt from saying Shema the night of his wedding. And we differentiated between um, marrying a, a, um, a virgin versus marrying somebody that had been married before. Um, and now we're going to ask about that. Ihachi, first word on the line. Ihachi, if this is so... Um, that we, the reasoning is that because you're involved in the mitzvah of consummating a marriage, then you do not have to say Shema. Then, my area, Hakone says Habasula, what relevance does the fact that someone's a virgin have? That the bride is a virgin, even if you are marrying a widow as well, you should be exempt from saying Shema because regardless whether you're consummating the marriage, with um, a woman who's being married for the first time or not, what it doesn't make it shouldn't make a difference. Both are a mitzvah, and if you're involved with a mitzvah, um, you should be exempt from saying Shema. So we answer Hacha Tarid Vahacha Lo Tarid. We say here in the case of the virgin, um, then we say that the groom is Tarid. He's very uh, his mind is elsewhere. Whereas when it comes to marrying a widow, his mind is not necessarily elsewhere when it comes to uh, when it comes to the consummation of the marriage. But now we're going to ask him that if it's just about your mind being elsewhere, you have uh, other things on your mind. Imishum tirda. If it's because of your mind being elsewhere, afilu tavas finaso by yom nami, then you should be exempt from shema, even if your boat, uh, even if your boat drowned or uh, your boat uh, sunk at sea. Because you know, so the case would be is let's say you know you had a you had a your your business let's say you're a merchant and you had a boat coming in with your stuff, in that scenario as well because your mind is elsewhere not able to concentrate on Shema you should not have to say Shema you should be exempt from saying Shema in such an instance. Alama Amar Rabbi Abba Bar Zavda Amar Rav. Why is it that Rabbi Abba Bar Zavda said in the name of Rav that Avil Chayev Becholha Mitzvos Amuras Batora that somebody that is in mourning is obligated in all of the mitzvot and all of the commandments that are stated in the Torah, Chutz Min Hatfilin except for Tefillin which you are not obligated in if you are in mourning. Why? Because Shahari Ne'emar Bahen Pe'er, because it says in regards to the Tefillin, it says the word glory, Shenemar, as the verse says, Pe'ercha Chavusha that the glory is wrapped on you. So, what do we see? So, we see that uh, somebody that is in mourning whose mind is obviously elsewhere is only exempt from wearing Tefillin, but as far as saying Shema is concerned, he's not exempt. Now, if we're explaining that if your mind is elsewhere, you're exempt, then why wouldn't your mind? Why wouldn't you be exempt from saying the Shema if you are in mourning? So we answer Amri. So they answered Hasan Tirda Derishos Hacha Tirda the Mitzvah. In the case of the mourner, that is a Tirda Derishos. There, your mind is elsewhere for non-mitzvah reasons. Obviously, somebody that's in mourning, their mind is elsewhere, but there's no obligation, there's no mitzvah obligation to have your mind elsewhere. So then we say, you have to put your pull yourself together and say the Shema. Whereas in the case of the groom marrying a virgin, then his mind is elsewhere, and his mind is elsewhere because of a mitzvah, so then we say he's actually exempt from the Shema. Okay, so now we're at the next Mishnah. This next Mishnah is very interesting because 
Um, it's an obvious continuation, because if not uh, from the past, the last Mishnah we read, because if not, it would have no business being here. The last, the end of the last Mishnah told us about Rabban Gamliel, who did something that was seemingly questionable, that would seem to contradict the laws, uh, you know, the uh, the the lessons of the sages. Um, he said Shema, even though he was a groom on the night of his wedding. So now we're going to give a couple of other instances where Rabban Gamliel did something that seemed to contradict the lessons of the sages. So let's take a look. We're at the Mishnah, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 lines down from the top of the page. Rachatz Laila Harishon Shemesa Ishto. We say that Rabban Gamliel, he... Um, so Rabban Gamliel, he washed himself with hot water, I have to add that, on the night that his wife passed away. And that's actually not something that is allowed. So Amrlo Talmidov, so his students said, Limadatenu Rabbeinu, Rebbe, didn't you teach us, Sha'avil Asr Lirchotz, that somebody that's in mourning is not allowed to wash themselves? Amr Lahem, so Rabbi Gamliel answered, Amy Kishar B'nai Adam, I am not like other individuals. Istinisani, I am an istinis, I am extra sensitive. And somebody that's extra sensitive is allowed to wash um, even in mourning. Uchashemesh Tavi Avda, this is the second thing, the second instance. When Tavi, Rabbi Gamliel's slave or um, servant, died, Kibel loved Tanchumen, Rabbi Gamliel, accepted words of comfort about him. So this is um, basically right after the funeral, a couple of different ways of doing this. But uh, one way is that um, the person in mourning, mourning a relative, would stand and the uh, people that are at the funeral would then offer words of comfort. So what we're saying here is that Rabbi Gamliel accepted words of comfort about his servant Tavi. Now his servant was a what would be called a Canaanite slave. So it's the a servant that is a Jewish a servant that belongs to a Jew, but is they themselves are not Jewish. They have an interesting place in as part of the uh, as part of the Jewish people. Um, kind of halfway there, almost. It's interesting discussion. So didn't do uh, so. So Rabbi Gamliel accepted words of comfort for him about him. Amrlo Talmidov. So his students, Rabbi Gamliel's students, said to him, "Limadatenu Rabbeinu, Rabbi, didn't you teach us she'ein mekablim tanchumen al ha'avadim that we do not accept words of comfort about Canaanite servants?" And the reason for this is, by the way, um, is because if they did, people perhaps would start to think that they were actually Jewish because they were so close to being Jewish. With If you were accepting words of comfort about them, then people would perhaps um, come to the conclusion that they were, which could have, have many complications. So didn't you tell us that you don't accept uh, words of comfort about uh, your servant? Amr Lahem, Sarabim who was very close to his servant, said, Ain tavi avdi kishar kol abadim. Tavi, my servant, is not like other servants. Kasher Haya, he was the most worthy of individuals. And the way this is explained, meaning even if you're worthy, even if you're this worthy individual, what about the fact that people can mix things up? So the way this is usually understood is that he was worthy insofar as that he actually was a Torah scholar. He was a, a premier Torah scholar. And the fact that he was a premier Torah scholar gave him made him an exception to the rule, and it was allowed to have words of comfort about him. Okay, um, so now that we, those were kind of uh, tangential, now we're going to go back to the topics of our Mishnah, which was the Shema. 
Chasanim rotsa likros kriya shma laila harishon kore. If a groom wants to read Shema on the first night of his wedding before he consummates the marriage, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, he's allowed to, sorry. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, Lochol harotza litolas Hashem mitol. Not everybody that wants to take for themselves a prestigious name is allowed to take for themselves a prestigious name. In other words, um, it's not so simple that you're allowed to say Shema that first night because unless you are a very pious individual, it's not appropriate for you to because your mind is elsewhere. Um, so by you going ahead and deciding to say Shema, it can be looked at as a very arrogant thing. You're basically considering yourself pious, which uh, is not necessarily a simple thing because if because you're giving off the impression of being arrogant and that would be complicated. So uh, that's what Rabbi Shrebi Shimim Gamliel added. So now we are at the Gemara. In the, um, we're at the Gemara, the bold letters, Gimel Mem, and we're going to talk about all of this. My taima de Rebbein Gamliel. What was the reason for Rebbein Gamliel that he um, felt that it was all right to wash himself on the um, while in mourning for his wife? So Kasavar Aninos Laila de Rabbanon. So we answer that he felt that Aninos at night is only rabbinic, is only a rabbinic enactment. In other words. Um, it, there's a when when one's um, relative dies and that not yet buried, they're in a point. They're in a position called being an onain. So it's this first step in the mourning process. And what we're saying is, is that was the point in time when Remingham Leal washed himself, but it was specifically at night. So let's say they died, the relative died, the wife, his wife died during the day. So this was the night after. So biblically, um, Rabbi Gamaliel felt that biblically, um, this con this con that uh, there is this concept of being an onain, but it's only during the day. The next night already is only a onain. You're only in an onain position according to the rabbis. Um, as the verse says, as the verse says, and its end is like a bitter day. And in a case of a very sensitive individual, um, the rabbis did not enact that uh, did not enact their decree of not being allowed to wash the night after somebody passes away. So that's basically Rabbi Gamliel's thinking: is that um, being an onain at night is only a rabbinic enactment, and they did not make their enactment um, where it would impact sensitive individuals who really cannot handle that enactment. Okay. So uh, now we're going to go back and talk about the next part of our Mishnah. We're at the first wide line, the end of the first wide line. We're going back on the part about Rabbi Gamliel's conduct when Tavi, his servant, died. on the rabbis taught, uh, servants and maidservants. We do not stand in a line for them, um, which is a reference to, again, this happens, that uh, the people at the funeral... Um, basically stand in a line and the mourners go through that line and are offered words of comfort. So you do not do that for a servant that passed away. You don't make any, you don't say the special blessing of mourners and you don't, um, you don't offer words of comfort at the Shiva, which would be the words, May the omnipresent uh, comfort you. 
So Maisa Umesa Shivchaso Shorabilazar. It happened once that the maid servant of Rabbi Eliezer passed away. Nichnesu Tamidov Lanachamo, and his students came in to comfort him. Kivan Shurahosam, once he saw them, he knew that they were trying to come that they were coming to try and comfort him. Allah Aliyah, so he immediately ran up to the second story of his home. But Alu Akharav, and they followed him. So then he went into a side room, and they went right after him. He then went into the, um, to the, um, basically the lobby of his home, and they came in after him. Um, so he was trying to evade them because he felt that it's not allowed, you're not allowed to accept words of comfort about a Canaanite maidservant. Um, they kept on chasing after him, though, not getting the hint. Amar lehem, so he said to them, Kimaduma ani sha'atem nichvim beposhrim. He said, I imagined that you would be burnt with the warm water. Meaning, I thought that with the first hint, you would have gotten it. Achshav, but now I see, i atem nichvim, you are not burnt, afilu b'chamecham, and even with boiling hot water. Meaning, Whatever I do, you still don't get the hint. Lo didn't I teach you? servants and maidservants, im omdim aleham bishura. You do not stand in the mourners' line for them. you don't say the blessing of the mourners. you don't say the comfort for the mourners. You don't do any of that. rather, what do you say? What can you say for a, a maidservant that passed away? Um, what can you say? So you use similar words to what you would say to somebody whose um, whose ox or donkey died. Again, this isn't equating a, a human being with an ox or a donkey. It's just saying you, you we, we, we stay very far away from trying to from from uh, from making it seem that like perhaps these people were Jewish. So we don't do the usual things we would do with Jewish people. So um, so what do you say instead? You say to the people, you say to the person that lost their servant, may um, God fill or replace the loss that you had. So just like you say that for your ox or donkey, so too would you say over a servant and maid servant, may God um, replace your, your loss. That's how it works. Um, now we're going to talk more about mourning for a Canaanite servant. Tani Dach, we have a different b'risa which taught as follows. Avadam ushvachos, slaves and maidservants, emaspidin osan, we do not eulogize for them. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, im eved kashru. Now again, this is, of course their family eulogizes for them. We're just saying that their Jewish owner is not, their Jewish master is not allowed to eulogize for them. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, im eved kashru, if it was a, if the, if the slave or the maidservant was a very, um, was a very worthy person, then Omrimlo, then we do say something about them. We say we are allowed to eulogize them, but to this extent. Hoy ishtov v'neeman. Woe to us for our loss of this good man, v'neeman, this trustworthy person, v'nehenem yego, someone that derived benefit from their own toil. Amrulo, but then they said back to him, "If this is what you're going to say for a, sl- a maid servant or a servant that is kosher, that is worthy, how is that any different than what you would say for a worthy Jewish person? So you're still not differentiating the way you would need to." So um, that it seems to be that we end off with that question. Tanurabanan, 
um, the rabbis taught, Ein koren avos ela lishlosha, ve'ein koren imahos ela la'arba. There are only three people that we are allowed to call our forefathers, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there are only four women that we are allowed to call our foremothers, our matriarchs, and they are Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Now, Avos Maitaima, why are we only allowed to call the three fathers, why are we only allowed to call Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the fathers? So we say, If it's because, you'll tell me, that after Jacob, then you had a lot more children, you have 12 tribes, so we would say that we don't really know, we, we can't we can't honestly say that any one of those people are fathers because we don't know which one we came from. We don't know if we came from Reuven or from Shimon. Those are two of the tribes. But if that's the case, that that's why you're only allowed to call the first three forefathers fathers, then Imahos Nami, then when it came to the matriarchs as well, Lo Yodinon, we do not know, Ime Rachel Kaasinon, Ime Leah Kaasinon. We don't know if we came from Rachel or from Leah. So really, we shouldn't be allowed to call Rachel or Leah mothers because we may not be honestly able to say because we don't know which one we came from. So rather, that must not be the reason why we only are allowed to call the first three and four our mothers and fathers. Ella, rather, the reason is as follows. Ad hacha chashivi tfelo chashivi. Until this point, the first three fathers and the first, the first, and the first four mothers, um, they are considered very important. After that, they're not as important. Um, this can mean many different things, but certainly the impact they had on the history of the Jewish people, they would not be considered as important after that. Tanya Idach, we have a different b'risa that says, Avodim ushvachos ein korim osam abba When it comes to maidservants and servants, we are not allowed to refer to them as mother and father. So basically, the way it used to work is, is that even if somebody wasn't, if you know, if you had a, if you, if there was an older person, you would actually call them father or mother, even if they weren't your actual father or mother. But we're saying that about spade servants and servants that are Canaanites, you're not allowed to say that again for the same reason. We don't want people to think that this is somebody's actual father and mother and that they are Jewish. Um, the exception was Rabbi Gamliel's servants. Rabbi Gamliel's servants and maidservants, they would be allowed to be called um, father such and such and mother such and such. So Misa Listor. Now seemingly this is a story that would pose a contradiction to the teaching that we just said that you cannot call a Canaanite slave uh, or maidservant father or mother. So he answered, Mishum Tachashivi. No, Rabbi Gamliel's um, maidservants and servants were different in the fact that they were prominent. So everybody knew who they were. And because everybody knew who they were, there was no problem that there would be a mistake that would happen that people would think they were Jewish and therefore they could be called mother and father. So that's the end of our discussion now about maidservants and servants. And now we're going to go back to talking about Shema. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar said, What does it mean when the verse says, So I will bless you in my life. With your name, I will lift my hands. So, those words, so shall I bless you um, in my life. This is a reference to saying Shema, um, what we should be saying um, throughout our life. Um, and in your name I shall raise my hands. Zotfila, uh, this is a reference to prayer. Vim Ose, Cain, and if you do this, meaning if you say Shema and the prayer service, 
Allah Hakasuv Omer, then about you, the verse says, Vadeshen Then uh, then these words of like um fats and like fat and um, abundance, my soul will be satisfied. Um, meaning you will be spiritually satisfied. And not only that, you will inherit two worlds, this world and the next world. As the verse says, And with joyous praises, my mouth will give praise. And we see it's a double word praises. It's a it's the it's a it's um it's rinanos praises um, in the plural to teach you there'll be praise in this world and in the next world that you will be offering because you'll have you'll have a good in both worlds. Um, okay, so now this is very interesting. This is after Shmona Esrei, after saying the Amida, different rabbis would offer their own personal prayers. And now we're gonna get a, a glimpse into what these personal prayers sounded like. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar Basar de Messiah Tzelose, after he finished with his Shmona Esrei, after he finished praying, Omar Hachi, he would say as follows, May it be your will, Hashem Elokeinu, Lord our God. So now we are at the widest lines, the beginning of the widest lines. She, Tashkein Befureinu, that you will dwell in our lot. Um... Ahava v'achva v'shalom v'reus, so meaning that you will allow to dwell in our lot, love and brotherhood and peace and friendship. V'sarbeg v'uleinu b'talmidim, and may you increase our borders with students. V'satzliach sofenu acharis v'sikva, and may our end be blessed, or maybe we lucky to have um to have future and hope. V'sasim chalkenu began Eden, may you place our Lots in the Garden of Eden. May you set up for us um, good friends and good inclinations in your world. May we get up and find that the yearnings of our heart are to fear your name. May it come before you the, um, the fulfillment of our needs for good. Uh, Rabbi Yochanan, Basar de Messiah Tzlosei Amar Hachir. Rabbi Yochanan, after he finished praying, he would say as follows: Yehotzam Ofanach Hashem Elokeinu. May it be your will, Lord our God, Shetatzitz Bevashtenu, that you shall see our shame. V'sabit Barasenu, you shall see um, how things are not good for us. V'sislabesh Barachamecha, and you shall um, garb yourself in your mercy. V'sisatef Bachasidusecha, and you shall um, you shall wrap yourself in your Kindness, and you shall gird yourself with your comfort. And, um, and may it be before you the character traits of good and humility. Rabbi Zera, after he finished davening, he would say as follows. Amar Hachi, he would say as follows. May be your will, Lord our God. That we not sin. Neither shall we be ashamed or disgraced. May Avasenu from our fathers, or in front of our fathers. After he finished davening, he would say as follows. May be your will, Lord our God. May your Torah be our occupation. And may our hearts not be saddened and may our eyes not be dimmed. 
Rav Basar Tzlosei Amar Hachi. Rav, after he finished davening, he would say as follows: Yerotzam of Nacha Hashem Elokeinu May be your will, Lord our God. Shetitain Lano Chaim Arukim that you give us long life, the Chaim Shel Tova, life of good, Chaim Shel Bracha, life of blessing, Chaim Shel Parnasa, life of sustenance, Chaim Shel Chilut Atzamos, life of uh, good health. Chaim Sheish Behem Yiraschet, the life that is full of fear of sin. Chaim Shein Behem Bushochima, life that is free of humiliation and degradation. Chaim Shel Osher Vachavod, a life of riches and glory and honor. Chaim Shel Tehevano Ahavas Torah, a life that is um, in it a love of Torah, Virashemaim, and fear of heaven. Chaim Shel Tamale Lanos Komeshalos Libenu, a life that in which you fulfill all of the um, askings of our heart, the Tova for good. Rebbe Basar Tzlosei Amar Hachi. Rebbe, after he was finished davening, he would say as follows: Maybe you will, Lord our God, God our fathers, that we be saved from being brazen. Um, from I'm sorry, from Me'azei from people that are brazen, and Me'azus Panim, and from our own brazenness. that we be saved from bad people and from um, bad happenings. Miyetzer hara from evil inclination, mechaverav from a bad friend, mechalchenrav from a bad neighbor, umi satan and from the destroying Satan, umi din kashe, umi baldin kashe, and may we be saved as well from a bad or a a difficult judgment, and from a um, from somebody from a from being in court with somebody that is difficult. Bein shuhu van bris, whether that person is a member of the covenant, which is a Jew, bein shuhu veinu van bris, whether he's not. Vafka the kaimik tutsay aleo de Rebbe, and this was said by Rebbe, um, uh, even though he had his own bodyguards, he still uh, prayed for protection. Okay, we'll stop here. Uh, let's just quickly review. Um, ultimately, it's being occupied, preoccupied with a mitzvah that it, uh, exempts you from saying Shema. Then we had our Mishnah with uh, two cases where Rebbe seemed to, com- where I'm sorry, Rebbe Gamliel seemed to contradict the lessons of our sages. Then we talked more about. Um, then we talked more about. We finished off talking about can you say Shema if in fact you would like to, but you're a groom that did not yet consummate the marriage. All right, then we gave the reasoning for why Rebbe, Rebbe Gamliel felt it was all right for him to wash. Then we talked for a while about um, conduct, um, of conduct of mourning for a slave or a maidservant. And then we talked about who are you allowed to call a forefather and a foremother? Who are you allowed to call? Are you allowed to call a maidservant or a servant, a father or a mother? Um, then we talked about the importance of saying Shema and praying. Then we gave all of these examples... Um, of prayers, personal prayers that these rabbis would say after finishing Shemona Asrei. All right, uh, have a great night. Take good care.